Hey everyone, it's me, Michael. I just wanted to give you a quick content warning about some of the graphic descriptions of violence we'll be discussing with this movie, as well as an ongoing discussion of racism in the United States. Thank you very much for listening. Hey, Joe. Hey, Michael. So, what have you been doing to educate yourself in our uh, current times? Yes, um... In the midst of all of our uh, protesting, um, for for the viewers who may not see me and only hear me, uh, I am a white male, and what I've been doing to try and educate myself on all of these issues around race and especially uh, black people in America, um, I've been going on to blacklivesmatter.com, and I've been going through their resources for allies um, and their daily lesson plans. Mm-hmm. Um, reading different articles, listening to different podcasts, even like the 1619 Project, I'm watching TED Talks about basically not only lessons in allyship, but understanding uh, and learning the history of the African-American experience in America um, to a greater level. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, once we're through with this, I'm going to start my book on um, uh, white fragility. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, yeah. You got a copy? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm uh what have you been uh what have you been doing to educate yourself, Michael? Uh funny now that you mention it, we've been doing the same lesson plan after our talk after our discussion about it. Uh which yeah. Uh if you know, if if, if Joe's recommendation isn't enough, I can't recommend going on as well. It's if if you've taken a college course, this is I guarantee at least eighty percent less confusing than your first syllabus. The people who made the the educate yourself section on the blacklivesmatter.com did a great job of laying out everything so it's really easy to understand. There are links as well as like tangible actions you can also take. We mm-hmm. really can't stress it enough. Um, you know, like it's you know, me too, like as someone who's who's not black and is trying to educate myself more, especially because just within uh, my own community, the Mexican American community, there's a lot of bigotry there as well. So always learning to check yourself and even if like some of those like first beginning articles might feel a little obvious at times it's always good to you know uh, resharpen your fundamentals in them but nonetheless uh go check it out by all means we still recommend it but in the meantime we figured we would also uh as our culture is a pop culture podcast we don't want to uh not address or not talk about what's going on so we figured the best way to kind of carry and channel some energy forward is to talk about black films and black creators, right? Absolutely. Um, and um, coincidentally, as we, as this is all happening, as if, as if Spike Lee has like a crystal ball, um, he dropped <laughs> uh, the Five Bloods on, um, um, or the Five Bloods on, um, on Netflix. It's themes and messaging haven't felt more relevant. Yeah. And it's funny because he's had a history of doing this as well. This film itself is also very relevant. And he as a filmmaker is very accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, he is on the canvas of greatest filmmakers of our generation when you or of their of their generation when you think of like Spielberg and uh, Scorsese and even George Lucas, what and what he's accomplished with this film is 
awesome. <laughs> totally. Totally. Like, and also we know that like Spike Lee's probably like, you've heard the name Spike Lee. He's a very popular filmmaker and we'll definitely challenge ourselves in the future to find uh, lesser known uh, documentaries or works. Mm-hmm. It's just, this happened to drop and we both watched it. So we figured mm-hmm. why not talk about it? Cause there's a lot to talk about with this movie, right? Oh yeah. It is loaded. So I guess a little bit of background first before we dive in deep into the movie. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, history of Spike Lee. Um, his big breakout film was a movie called um, Do the Right Thing, starring himself, actually. And it took oh. place in, yes, he directed it and star, started it and wrote it. And it is about Brooklyn. And it's just about a hot day on uh, on a little neighborhood in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And it eventually becomes a conver- like a, a conversation about race and racial tensions um mm-hmm. the film ends in uh in an italian man's uh restaurant being broken by spike lee mm-hmm. um and the question left to the people walking watching the film is did he do the right thing the mm-hmm. reason why the that happened is because there's been racial tensions between the the owner and the people and the black people and latinx people living in the area uh right before this happens um a black man is shot and killed by the police in the street mm-hmm and many people thought that at the time he was predicting what happened with the 92 Rodney King riots because it had the film dropped two or three years before it happened. And here we are now with the five bloods. Yeah, it's it's like it's not even just that, like, you know, these 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 filmmakers or creatives, you know, people like to point to things like The Simpsons and that like, oh, they predicted, you know, X, Y and Z. But in actuality, if you just study patterns of of how certain groups are being treated it's actually very not hard to predict it because these things have been happening uh, forever. It's just mm-hmm. that, you know, certain key events just happen to catch a lightning in the bottle moment and get that news coverage or get that media attention that allows them to be seen by the mass amount of people and realize, oh, wait a second, racism exists. Mm-hmm. Yes, and like, and, and you're absolutely right. And the, the point that I'm trying to drive home is that Spike Lee has had his his ear to the ground and his fingers on the pulse of these moments mm-hmm. and these relationships and depicting them so viscerally in his films. Mm-hmm. So when you see Defy Bloods and you're watching it, you realize that like he is making a commentary about the way African-American people have been treated in America for decades um yeah there was a there we had a lot of thoughts before going into this episode and we just figured we just hit record because (laughs) there's a lot to talk about this movie because it's for one two and a half hours long it is not a casual watch Mm -mm. Uh, it's also just relatively a heavy watch so i mean like we do recommend it i think we're both fans of this film go watch it if uh you know you could stomach some like some graphic imagery uh, as well as some violent uh, depictions of, uh, of gore. I, would you say gore? Yeah, I would say gore is probably the best. Yeah. Yeah, and so, like, we recommend it, you know. Mm-hmm. By all means, go watch it. We're going to spoil it, as always. So go ahead and watch it. We recommend it uh, if you can stomach that type of stuff. But, yeah, I figured uh, now's as good a time just to kind of hop into this movie. And... Like I said, there's so much to talk about with this movie, but I feel like first and foremost, like the most 
central theme I seem to pick up on was simply put American imperialism mm. and like American imperialism specifically through the lens of uh, African American veterans. Mm-hmm. Uh, they use Vietnam as the specific time frame, but also uh, there are there are references to other times, uh, other war soldiers, other times. Why exactly these veterans have such a strong sense of national nationalism in them, despite being a part of a country that is historically and currently treats them so horrible, right? Yeah, because we begin the movie and they're all pretty jovial, right? Yes, they're stoked to be back in Vietnam was what they think or like it seems to appear as tourists. And like even like their whole trip, like I don't think I mean, like maybe I'm just speaking for myself, like I don't think that it was ready to <laughs> I didn't think this movie would have any of the characters die. Like I I sincerely thought it was going to be more reflective. I didn't expect most of the movie to be told in present day. I thought most of it was going to be told in retrospect nope yeah you expected like this was going to like have an even split or or leaning more into the past because the reason why they're there is they're they're trying to um recover the remains of their um lead soldier um stormy norman who's played by chadwick chadwick boseman Mm -hmm. um and they're also trying to get um a shit ton of gold that chadwick boseman hid for them um to hopefully um bring back to African-American people. This is their form of trying to get reparations. It's explicitly stated like that. The film chooses to pay attention to the character's current actions rather than their past actions. Yeah. Um, How is this past um, affecting them in their current present? Yes. Um, and at the end of the film, you know, how will this impact the future? Where will they go from here? Their actors are the same, right? They don't age down their actors when they're in the past, right? And this has to do with the fact that they repeat so many times during the movie that, like, this war and this type of uh, imperialism never leaves you, right? It stays with you for your whole life. Yeah. Uh, and it reflects on how the people of Vietnam are being treated. It reflects how they, as tourists, coming back to this place that they've you know they've uh, committed essentially horrible acts of violence of war and it scarred them and it continues to scar them and it continues to cause them strife even to this day despite it being years uh decades later yeah and, and i would i would go so far as to say that like yes to keeping the actors in the past, the same as the present, reinforces that theme mm-hmm. because these characters haven't changed, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same character. It, they 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 physically look the same. Mm-hmm. It, it keeps that present. Um, all except for Chadwick Boseman, yeah, who's killed. Yeah. Um. So I guess this leads into the question of what do you think Chadwick Boseman stands for? Like, what is the the theme? What are the themes and symbols that are uh, surrounding his character? Oh, boy. See, there's, there's so, I'm sure there's so many readings of him and his character. I think, to me, he has to represent, like, a sense of, like, black community leadership and revolution. Because there's so many parallels to be drawn in this movie with 
with the Vietnam, with the Vietnam War, and with the civil rights movement back at home, and with characters even referring to Chadwick Boseman's character uh, Norman with MLK and Malcolm X, that they both like that essentially this you know the, our country and this group of men they lost at the exact same time, and after that and after they lost them, they were really never the same after. It's like they lost a sense of unity that they did that they had before that causes a lot of like internal strife with them, not only with them like in themselves, but also like with them within them as a community, because like for so often we're told that we're taught like, you know, we we both went to uh, elementary school and we learned that the civil rights movement is uh, (laughs) like it like stopped racism, you know, like it's this thing you're taught when you're a little kid that like, oh, and after this day, you know, all people were equal kind of thing. But then, you know, the more you get, the more you study history, the more you learn. No, the civil rights movement was just put on halt because they assassinated all their major leaders. And so it was actually a giant snowball that was stopped by the United States. So it's really not like this big movement. It did accomplish some great things, but it wasn't seen to its natural conclusion. It was stopped by essentially white supremacy. And... And you find that to be prevalent within Storm and Norman, the character. It's his loss and connection to these uh, four men that, that like they specifically quote as the moment that broke them. Like they say that like this is mm-hmm. th- this is the thing, right? I I can I can you know I could still hear him, you know he's all around he's still around us. But this is the this is the moment where things were never the same after. At least that's what I think. What do you what do you think of uh, Storm and Norman? Yeah, I think he stands for like the end goal of this of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Storm and Norman and his ideologies um, and the lessons that he teaches um, are our characters uh, Eddie, Otis, Paul, and melvin Mm -hmm. um i think he stands for like he stands for the lasting power and vigor of these movements and of these ideologies Mm -hmm. and like you said like it's you know he dies after mlk dies and malcolm Mm -hmm. x and it seems like the civil rights movement comes to a halt it's like i mean maybe not exactly (laughs) In the timeline yeah. of the movie, but that's the way in which the story tells it. So, yes, it feels like it feels like a loss, mm-hmm. um, and that's what really translates to all these characters and their flaws in the present. Mm-hmm. This lack of, I, I guess, lack of hope. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is that each character takes it differently, right? Yeah, you have Eddie who has a money problem. Yeah. He can't keep money. He only spends it. And Otis. Otis, who had an illegitimate daughter in the, during the war. Mm-hmm. Um, is David depicted as having the drug problem or just pointing it out? I thought Otis was the one with the drug problem. Or they claimed it is. Because mm-hmm. I think it was a little... It was a little bit of a, a jab at how like the opioid crisis was something that was targeted specifically at African-Americans, but mm-hmm. it actually didn't impact them 
as much like the whole like idea of like a crack baby was a derogatory term used specifically to like prevent access to healthcare to black americans yes uh so i think otis didn't actually have a drug problem in fact i think otis as they say is supposed to be the most well-adjusted of them right otis is the one who's supposed to be somewhat put together and like when you see like throughout the movie otis does try to bring everyone together Mm-hmm. he kind of acts as like a glue to keep this group from pulling you know from tearing each other apart but that's you know the the one character i left out played by delray lindo uh paul paul <laughs> um is the one who is arguably our main character i would say so um paul who is the one basically trying to rip the the bloods apart we're introduced with paul wearing a maga hat and yeah. if you know spike lee you know he doesn't like Donald Trump, and you know so much to the point that he doesn't even refer to his name. He calls him Agent Orange, which we'll mm-hmm. come back to later. But uh, Paul's wearing this hat, and you're su- everyone's supposed to like roll their eyes and look at this guy and not like him from the get-go, right? Mm-hmm. But by the end of the movie, you have some empathy for him? Yeah, he's he's been a man who's been broken down by the world, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, all of them have, because I feel like that's part of the point of the movie. But him specifically, he's such a deeply conflicted person. And it's specifically because, like, he was the one who accidentally shot Norman, right? Mm-hmm. It's revealed uh, that at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Thought about this so much, but I, I keep coming back to the idea that I wonder if... There's there's a, there's a certain way in which I think movies uh, about this, or which, which media depicts, like, internal problems within uh, the African-American community that like it's you know like they create ideas like black on black crime and i think when paul shoots norman it represents a certain type of self-hatred that paul then carries with him for the rest of his life but when norman kind of holds him at the end of the movie and says like no i forgive you it was an accident there's a certain level of love i think being shared there that says that like no actually this community is strong it's truly just the externalized racism of white supremacy that's been beating them down their whole life you know this isn't this isn't black people tearing black people apart it's actually just all it's actually all just connected to white supremacy Mm -hmm. but what do you like because you were focused on the maga hat what do you what do you think of the maga hat and it's and its usage throughout the film um I think Spike Lee had a lot of fun getting it dirty, stomping it <laughs> in the ground a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, clearly he, he doesn't like him. Um, clearly he doesn't like that hat. Um, but I, when I first, when I first walked out of the movie, mm-hmm. walked out, I was lying in bed. Who the fuck am I kidding? <laughs> um, <laughs> when I walked out of bed and got a drink of water. <laughs> when I walked out of bed and got a drink of water and then stared at the mirror for hours because of this movie. Um, (laughs) when I first, when I first got out of it, I thought, um, that the, that the hat might've resembled selfishness. Hmm. Okay. A lot of, I think a lot of Paul's actions are out of selfishness. Mm hmm. Selfishness against his son. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, against his his friends, his brothers. But the hat changes, right? Mm -hmm. The hat is then brought to our real villain, our embodiment of white supremacy, the Frenchman. Um, (laughs) Who's literally in a white suit. He's wearing a white suit and the red MAGA hat after Paul is killed. But Mm -hmm. the, okay, but to be clear, the the hat transfers what, uh, so Paul is murdered by, um, by Vietnamese um, soldiers. Um, It's unclear. Yeah, we never really learned the group that they represent, right? No. Um, But Paul had killed one of their brothers. Mm -hmm. Um, And out of vengeance, he was murdered. And then the Vietnamese man took the hat and put it on. So that's why I'm like, oh, maybe it's selfishness. Because this is his act. His act was out of selfishness and revenge and anger, right? Yeah. Of murdering Paul. And then the hat goes to the Frenchman, mm-hmm. and he is just, you know, of course, it's revealed he's the he's double-crossing them. He just wants the gold for himself mm-hmm. um, that they're trying to retrieve, and he's wearing the hat, but then the hat falls off of him after he dies, and yeah. Otis holds on to it, is what, what appears to be Otis dying, but he doesn't. But Otis doesn't wear the hat. He just holds it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Otis is acting out of selfishness, right? Yeah. So what did you think that the hat symbolized? The movie knows exactly what it is. Like, and it's what fucking Trump is. He's a, he's a, a figurehead of white supremacy. Um, and in that way, I think you, you mentioned this when we were off mic for a second, that like when, when Paul wears it, he wears it backwards. Yeah. So you don't see you don't see the tagline. You don't. He wears it backwards when he's delivering his um, monologue directly into the camera, yeah. where it reveals that he's actually dying of cancer from the Agent Orange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spike Lee's word for Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The mm-hmm. Agent Orange is being dropped in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And he was subsequently affected by it, and he's completely and he's f- completely angry and frustrated. That constantly America, a country that he fought for, is killing mm-hmm. him, is actively trying to kill him. So he says in defiance, you will not kill Paul. Mm-hmm. And that's when the hat's backwards. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even though, even though like, you know, like Paul does some, Paul does some pretty bad things in this movie. You know, he, he, he threatens his friends. He says lots of slurs towards uh, Vietnamese people. He's a, he's a, not a good person. <laughs> um... But I think this this idea of having this hat around is the showing that like all his connection, all his ideas are connected to this one single idea of this one ever present idea of white supremacy. And I think even him wearing it, even if he's not flashing it forward, is showing how it's like it's like it's like carried on him. It's weighing on him even when he even when he's like turned it around. And I think it's notable that the, when uh, the French guy picks it up, he wears it forward. You know, he, 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 he sports it in the in the way that, uh, you know, Donald Trump does. And so I think when Otis holds on to it at the end, it is like getting at the idea that this this, you know, their actions in this war are connected to, you know, American imperialism, which is, you know, them like American American soldiers or America sending soldiers and, you know, black people were the first people they sent out to fight that war, to fight the American war. To die in that war. 
And this is connected to that idea of white supremacy that America was founded on. Mm -hmm. And so I think with Otis holding on to it at the end, it's like, oh, this is like, this is almost like an integral part of their identity at this point. And that's how fucked it is. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a very sad, it's a very sad image when, uh, they're pulling up at the end that it was a quite a breath of a fresh air when I saw that Otis was still alive. (laughs) <laughs> there had to be like in you know there was some there had to be some conclusion for for otis's storyline yeah with um his daughter which once again was like th- this film has a bittersweet ending mm-hmm. there is hope and optimism at the end otis he give he he tells her he loves her mm-hmm. something that she's been wanting to hear mm-hmm. um her entire life yeah, and he do- he barely even knows her, and and that's like that's selfless. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know? Yeah, and like even like there's a little conversation he has with his with Tien at the beginning of the movie where they talk about that where they they she talks about like how you know when white soldiers came over they taught them the racial slurs towards black people mm-hmm. and in that way it became uh, stigmatized. You know, it became a learned behavior of bigotry. Uh, that their daughter now existed, mm-hmm. which is it's it's like further getting at the idea. Like I think this movie is very sympathetic towards the people of Vietnam, um, and like the you know the unjust ways that the <laughs> that the American war treated them. Uh, I don't know how successful it is at that because I think most of this movie is focused on uh, uh, you know our veterans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think its heart is in the right place here, even if not as much of the movie is pertaining to that. I would agree. I think I think that there is there is a lack of um, really deep character work for um, for the Vietnamese um, characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- this movie is already two hours and thirty minutes long. You know, we have an ensemble cast on top of that. Yeah, and of course Spike Lee is uh, is very dedicated and very successfully and effectively portrays um, this specific experience yeah. of African American soldiers, yeah, um, and veterans in the Vietnam War. So it, it's understandable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think we're to make of the fact that Otis is the only one that makes it out? I mean, besides David, of course, but of his original platoon. I mean, I think some of it has to do with the idea that, like, I think David and Eddie as characters didn't really have, like, round, weren't, weren't, I, I guess they, I would say that they weren't really round. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were more flat characters. Um, yeah. They weren't gonna, like, from a storytelling purpose, they weren't, they probably weren't going to have, like, a full circle res- uh, resolution because yeah. they didn't have anywhere to go. <laughs> So I think really the fact that Otis is the only one that comes out, I think has more to say is, is really um, more indicative of Paul and Paul's fate. Okay. I would say, because for me, like the deaths of David and Eddie just add up to the toll that like under the weight of all the pressure that of America, not caring for its African-American citizens, they eventually die. They will yeah. be crushed under that weight. They'll mm-hmm. be killed by the man in the white suit wearing the MAGA hat. 
Yeah. Carrying that white supremacy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, to me, because of that, I think Paul's death is more indicative because Paul is a round character with an arc. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because I remember, like, reading and, and listening to, like, other people talk about, like, you know, why, like, they didn't expect Paul to die. They expected Paul to live. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I, when I was watching through, I was like, no, he's going to die. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason why is because his form of redemption could on- was only able to come through that hallucination and that realization that, you know, his his friendly fire against Norman was not his fault. It was not mm-hmm. a burden for him to bear. Yeah. It had to be a near death experience for him to realize that after all the horrible things he had done to, you know, to Vietnamese people, to mm-hmm. his friends yeah. and to his son. <laughs> yeah. Saying that he will like disown him if he doesn't, you know, potentially murder other people. Yeah. For him. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. I I think really what this is, is like, I think what Spike Lee is trying to say is that Otis's ideology of trying to find camaraderie because he Mm -hmm. was trying to hold the group together. Right. Yeah. I think that message is peeking through. Mm hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think I mean, to me, I read it in more of a veteran slant of like. You know, how many vets go home and are, like, able to make that transition easily? You know, like, mm-hmm. it's like a, a one in four, one in five vets, like, make that transition and live, like, I want to say, like, I feel like there's a, I don't want to say it's messy to say, like, well-adjusted because, uh, but also, like, able to seek out counseling and feel comfortable doing so uh, or even be able to afford it, you know? It's rough, and I think it's it's kind of just getting at the like, oh, it, this is an easy transition for them. And even if you did transition, and you got lucky. It's you're still going to be kind of like holding that and kind of carrying that weight with you for the rest of your life. Nonetheless, I think this is also a good time to talk about uh, the gold, mm-hmm. uh, the gold that uh, Eddie in his in his dying words says is the root of all evil, right? Like and. In essence, it is like they kill each other over this, mm-hmm. uh, whether intentionally or not. Like that's what ends up happening to them. Um, despite them all, like you know, there's so many talks about like, oh, who gets who gets how much of a share? You know, there's so much divvying it up. Like, what are we going to make with how this movie's treating capital? Fuck capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, uh, you know, um, I think. What's interesting is how they they use the gold at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. It's given away to organizations and to and to groups rather mm-hmm. than held on for individuals. Yeah. And I think that's the ultimate message. I think when this struggle for individ- using the gold for individual desires mm-hmm. um as Eddie is warning, yeah. You know, Eddie doesn't want the money for himself. He says he's going to give it away immediately. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That's what Norman wanted, right? Yeah. That's what Norman wanted at the end of the day. No, I, I agree. I do think it's like at a very, I mean, I think on a very simple level, it is like fuck capitalism. Like, cause mm-hmm. you know, all of this, I mean, slavery was a system built off the idea of free labor 
free capital or like the extorta- uh, extortion of people for labor, which would then create capital. You know, that is what allowed, you know, that's what allowed the American economy to exist within the free market so well. That's why I was able to make such leaps and bounds because they were extorting labor. Um, nonetheless, like, I think there's a, there's a slight commentary on reparations mm-hmm. to be had here. And that, like, when it comes down to it, like, how do you even go about giving out reparations? Do you give it to social groups? Do you give it to the individual? Like, when they get when they finally get their gold and they're like, okay, well, then let's give it back. Like, what does that even look like? And they don't even know. Like, they're not even 100% sure of how to start going about that. And I think that there's a little bit of, like, a... And that's just because I think that that's kind of a, a topic of discussion. Like, what does reparations actually look like? Nonetheless, like having to convince people to realize that reparations need to happen. Mm-hmm. But like, how do we even start uh, building that idea? Right. And even more so like with Eddie, he's like a failed businessman. Like, you know, he 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 tried to play the game of capitalism and American uh, meritocracy and failed. And now as a result, he's even more boned for it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Um, why do you think gold? Why gold? Why gold? Like, it's, they specifically chose gold as, like, the, I mean, one, it makes for a cool symbol. Like, it's, it's a. It's a great movie trope. Yeah. It's a great movie trope. Um, and also the idea of treasure. Yeah. It's mythic Mm -hmm. and in quality, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, the very idea that it is a movie trope is I think what makes it um, enticing because even now as you know, you brought up the conversation about, or, or uh, about reparations. Um, even now it's still a debate, mm-hmm. you know, it's still, it's still a conversation that's being had. Um, yeah. Or at least a debate for our people in Congress. Um, yeah. Rip. Um, yeah. So I think that's why gold specifically. I think it because yeah. because it portrays like a mythic, uh, hyper realistic quality, and that goes back to like Spike Lee as a director. Mm-hmm. He likes to add. Um, he uses filmmaking in the sense that it's like telling a grounded story but also adding mythical elements to it i'm not sure yeah. if you ever watched the movie he got game um no, starting to, to uh it's a movie about a father and a son in basketball um there's a point in time at the very end of the movie where a basketball is thrown up into the sky in one location and falls into the hands of another character in another location it doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense it, it could physically it physically is impossible yeah but like that type of moment in a movie is is a very spikely thing to do Mm -hmm. um so adding gold like totally makes sense it is like i think that this is a part of his filmmaking flourish yeah Mm -hmm. no that makes sense Mm -hmm. um and like and i guess like while we're talking about filmmaking techniques uh did you think do you think it was i mean like this could just be a clever trick but what else do you think of the idea that like their aspect ratio swaps when we're in the past i think it's more i mean one it's to it's it's a way to immerse you within 
the time frame and the period, but it's mm-hmm. also meant to be an homage to um, um, to Vietnam movies. Like hell, mm-hmm. like the first bar that our main our our ensemble goes to is called an Apocalypse Now bar, brought to you by Bud Light or Budweiser or whatever. Um, fun fact: that's a real bar. Um, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, but like that, the idea that like we are be he. Okay, so Spike Lee is very knowledgeable um, about film history. He's constantly referencing other movies within his movies. Um, mm-hmm. Even in Do the Right Thing, he's referencing a movie. He references a movie called um, The Night of the Hunter or The Night of the Huntsman, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Um, but anywho, I'm getting off topic. But um, I think the reason why those aspect ratios change be- is because he's trying to pay homage to this particular type of movie. And the mm-hmm. way that the camera moves and the way the characters are portrayed, the gunfire goes back and forth between the Viet Cong and our sol- and our American soldiers. Um, like, the, it's very, um, you know, it, it's very much like those Vietnam War movies. Um, it's, it does everything ex- except play Fortunate Son, you know, by Critton's <laughs> Clearwater Revival. But notably yeah. so. And that's another, it's another th- important thing to note about this movie is the musical choices. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the Marvin Gaye song that was played? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Marvin Gaye in this movie. Mm-hmm. It, I think even when they're at the the club, it's like a remix of his song, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like, uh, I mean, they obviously say what's going on for the final bit, and I noticed mm-hmm. that it was just the the lyrics, mm-hmm. uh, or just the vocals, I should say. And I feel like it's just to kind of like get you to finally listen to this song and hear what it's been singing about Mm -hmm. and be like, isn't it kind of fucked how the fact that this song was written years ago, just as this war was years ago, and somehow it's still applicable. And yet we're acting like we've come so far since then. And I think that that I mean, that this movie is so much of a blurring of past and present that I think that's omnipresent as well, that like this these lyrics are timeless and that's not a good thing <laughs> like mm-hmm. i mean sure we all i love marvin gay too but like the problems that he's singing about are not haven't gone away and that's kind of horrible even down to the idea that you know marvin gay was killed by his father and in this movie that's talking about like the especially the relationship between david and paul it you know, it's all very on the nose, and that makes it feel even more worse because of it. Uh, but what, like, what I, I mean, I, although I do, I love me some Marvin Gaye, but uh, what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was really powerful hearing the acoustic version um, during the climax. Mm-hmm. It, it's, you know, and because you've heard this song repeated over and over, it is it does reflect our repeated actions uh, throughout history. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess when I say our, I'm referring to America as a country. Um, yeah, totally. Um, and I guess me as a white person. Yeah. So, like, why do African Americans have to re- repeatedly go through this suffering? Mm-hmm. Why are they still fighting for this? Mm-hmm. They are, they literally already fought the war and now they're here fighting again. <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah so yeah it's it, it's it is played to a horrific effect when you yeah. hear that song 
it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful song with beautiful vocals and but it is supposed to hurt mm-hmm. yeah i feel like and i do and i think you're i mean like this is kind of what you're getting at with uh, spike lee's kind of directing choices in a nutshell with it being so kind of self-aware of tropes like they're even like them talking about movies within their movie like they even talk at the very beginning about like like why do we still make movies about vietnam about how we're sending like uh you know rambo rambo yeah we're sending Mm -hmm. sylvester stallone to go finish a war that's already been finished kind of thing and walker texas ranger which is chuck norris yeah it's it's ridiculous right Mm -hmm. i mean they're not actually the real soldiers of that war right no I feel like it's using all these media references to kind of get at like, like we've been talking about this, right? Like we have so much media, you know, about all of these things. And for some reason, it's like also not bringing attention to it. Like, and yet somehow we still do nothing after it, right? Yeah. And some of it, like we talk, and they talk, and they talk about all of it with some affection, but I guess it is like, what are, what are like, what's like, what's to be said? What's like? What's good about war movies in this war movie, so to say? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a little bit of Spike Lee's answer to that is to show actual depictions of war, uh, like you know all those like flashing images of like real life uh, pictures, which it's brutal, it's horrific, and you kind of want to look away, right? Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? Because it is like a I remember thinking it was like, oh, it's like a weird documentary film choice. Well, yeah, he has a background in that. Oh, oh, of course. But like, <laughs> what do you think? Like, what do you think? Like, why do you think he chose to to do that despite this being like a uh, work of fiction? Um, Spike Lee likes to educate with his films. Mm-hmm. Like genuinely, he um, he did the same thing with Black Klansman. Black Klansman is based off a true story. Um, mm-hmm. And he brought up, you know, he also brought up uh, vintage images um, mm-hmm. and historical moments within that movie. Yes. Um, seemingly, like I guess, man, flex, flexing my flexing my film uh, my film muscles. Um, is it diegetic or non diegetic? Oh, Fuck. I don't know. I know what you're referring to, but I, yeah. I I don't know. I think it's non diegetic in the sense that it's not within the context of the film, mm-hmm. right? Let me Google this shit. I got a, I got a laptop right here, right? Non We have Google. Yeah, non-diegetic. That's the word. Um. So yeah, the non-diegetic use of these images, I would say, is just him trying to further educate and place into context. Be like, this is the thing. Like even when he plays like that clip of like a black man wearing a MAGA hat um behind donald trump like oh were you paid to do that which is true because donald trump is literally trying to hire people to pay (laughs) trying Mm -hmm. to try to hire people of color to show up to his rally in tulsa on june 20th yeah um (laughs) you can see the ad on craigslist um (laughs) so yeah he's he's using this to 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 really hammer home his point um that like this is reality Mm -hmm. um I think that's why he does that. Yeah, and even in that, like, you know, like, what is... Like, that's how important money is, right? Like, that's one of the biggest disparities of... And, like, it, like continuous uh, 
extensions of racism, right? It's systemic racism is that like wealth disparity, right? And I think in that way, like, I think Spike Lee is being a little sympathetic to, to, to people who would show up to a rally like that. Cause it's like, well, I'm getting, I'm getting paid. Like, you know, of course I'm going to take fucking Donald Trump's money. Cause he's the, he's the worst, but probably pay me a good amount just to stand there with a sign. <laughs> um, you know, despite like the, like the, the morally ethical problems with it, it's, it's money. And that's something everyone needs. Um, and it's why they're fighting over gold. Yeah. It's why they're fighting over gold. You know, it, that's the whole idea of reparations. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I remember like, I also thought about that when the movie first started. Like, you know, you saw it's like a montage of uh, of clips put together. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking like, oh, this is this is almost like this feels a little bit like a documentary uh, in the way in which like, oh, I'm so not ready to be. I'm so not ready to be sad by all the content of this movie <laughs> when I first started. <laughs> Oh, a documentary. Oh no, this is a full this is a full course load. Oh my god. <laughs> I I have feelings. <laughs> yeah. Uh Yeah, this this movie is very rough, but weirdly enough, I'd watch it again. Yeah. Like that's like that's the difference between a movie like this and um uh The Irishman by mm-hmm. Scorsese. Mhm. Score that's a harder movie to rewatch, I would say. Yeah. Um and it tries to do a similar thing. It's a really long movie, um, based around a historical moment per se in time. Um mm-hmm. and and uh, a main character who is not a good person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but like I said, I think it does it to a lesser effect in that yeah. this this film um uh the five bloods is is entertaining it's heartwarming and it, it, like we're talking about how like uh emotionally like heart-wrenching it can be but it could also be really funny mm-hmm. and, and like i i mentioned earlier with the conclusion of otis's arc you know it could be very you know it could be very heartwarming at times yeah um and i would say it ends on a rather optimistic note Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah they give the money to i mean like topical for now it, they literally give money to a black lives matter mm-hmm. um a black lives matter organization mm-hmm. um not all of it but some of it yeah it, it, i mean it shows the different ways and like you know you know this money needs to go everywhere you know like and also like you know we talk about intersectionality i mean i think that's why that's why like they still give money to the uh the removal of landmines in vietnam because you know mm-hmm. You know, everyone's been hurt by this. You know, these, you know, these, these, yes, like uh, African-American soldiers have definitely been hurt by this. And that's still, uh, you know, that doesn't invalidate the suffering of the Vietnam people for a war they never asked for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's kind of like a little bit of like that intersectionality showing of saying like it needs to be uh, us banding together against, you know, essentially the real enemy. Right. Which is, uh, you know, which is the free market, which is capitalism, which is white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I I'd agree with you that it is a very um, optimistic, or at very least like a, a hopeful tone for the end of the movie, despite all the content that preceded it. Yes. What did you think of? I, I guess as we're talking about the conclusion here, um, what did you think of Paul's letter to David, his son? Hmm. 
That's that, that's what's played uh, vocally over us visually watching this money go to all these different places. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I, I do think as like as a as a character arc, I do think it's just simply saying like we are not, <laughs> we are not just our worst moments. Like you see Paul at his worst throughout this movie. Um, you know, like one of the last words he says to his son is, "You're not my son anymore," mm-hmm. but. The letter to him is truly like what he really always meant to say to be like, hey, like, I could never communicate with you that well, but I want you to know that, like, as your dad, I'm proud of you. Um, And I think that's like, I mean, I think uh, of a lot of things this movie has going on with it. I think there's a little bit of touch of uh, like like relationships between uh, African-American men and like masculinity within the black community as whole. And just that, like, these feelings were frowned upon and this type of open affection uh, isn't generally uh, seen as a good thing as, you know, they spend a large part of this movie kind of ribbing each other. Um, But I think Otis embracing his family at the end is saying that, like, oh, quit it almost like, like, stop, like, be like, be affectionate with one another. I think Chadwick Boseman hugging Paul at the end is also indicative of that as well. Like, you know, we've, you know, we've been hurt for so long. Like, even if it's just in this like simple physical, like in this physical manner, like learn to like, kind of like love each other a little bit more, even though, like, as I say, that sounds a little bit cliche for, uh, the heavy way it portrays a lot of the subject matter. Mm -hmm. But what do you like? What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. I think it does. It is meant to show the different facets of a person like Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's mostly interesting about that scene is how you never see David's reaction to it. David's no. face is kind of, you know, looking down at everything in shadow. But you see what his classroom looks like. He very mm-hmm. prominently has a photo of Barack Obama in it. Yeah, which... Mm-hmm. Eh. Um, which is interesting. Yeah, I didn't know about that <laughs> because yeah. it was like, especially in, li- in light of all the Black Lives Matter stuff, like Obama's reputation with the Black Lives Matter organization has been uh, dismissive, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Maybe he wasn't so, maybe he wasn't as against them as Trump, so to say, but he he wasn't helpful to the cause, so to say. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's um. Yes, da- David as a character um, is is interesting. He, mm-hmm. you know, he represents the concept that like even this war that his dad fought for affects him because now he's currently, you know, under gunfire by mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yep. by uh, the white supremacist in the MAGA hat. Yeah, he gets shot. Yeah, he gets shot, and so you know. It's on to him to divide up that money and mm-hmm. to take action. Mm-hmm. Even though his father, for the majority of the life that he experienced with him, was against that. Yeah. It's weirdly a movie that doesn't punch, despite it being about these older men, like it's not a movie that punches down at youth. Like it is saying, like, you're going to carry what we did and carry it forward, so mm-hmm. to say. Um,. Because, like, this is, like, in some ways, maybe it's even saying that, like, you know, like, this was how, uh, this is how African-Americans fought during the 60s. 
you know, this was, you know, this was them defending their nation, so to say, because they were drafted. And, you know, the Black Lives Matter organization is what we have today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's And that's a hell of a lot better because we're not actively hurting another country. <laughs> yeah. Um, or at least I guess that's what I think. Mm-hmm. It's like a weird, it's a weird, I mean, it, this movie has a, the movie has a, a very knowledgeable effect, like relationship with nationalism. And like, I guess like as a good way of kind of like wrapping up is I think that's what this movie is uh, in conversation with and the most critical of the entire time. Mm-hmm. That like, I mean, we both, we both read the, like I said, uh, we both read the six to, uh, 1619 project. Mm-hmm. Uh, please go read it. Uh, but one of the, the very first article you'll read on that is talking about like why older generations have this sense of nationalism. Older mm-hmm. uh, African-Americans have this sense of nationalism is because they've been fighting for our country from its very inception. And this country was built off of their labor. And because of the ethnic erasure of their whole identity, this is really the only place they have they can call home. Yep. And so it's like, it's, it's a, they're truly, you know, black people are truly in a fuck, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation because they're fighting for something that does not treat them. They're almost in a completely abusive relationship with this country that mm-hmm. has historically treated them like shit. Um, and to quote Storm and Norman, we built this bitch. We, they did. Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just reality, right? Like, it's it's not like... Um, I don't, and I don't think that this movie is trying to say like, yeah, yeah, let's, you know, like, you know, therefore all black, you know, all black people should become, uh, soldiers. Uh, I don't think that's what this movie is saying. It's just, this was, you know, this was the time in which it was created and that's what, you know, that's what the draft did. That's who they sent over first and it's not their fault, but it's like almost like a, with a sense of Paul like that's like been his coping mechanism this whole time Mm -hmm. and that's really sad yes delroy lindo deserves the oscar for this performance oh yeah definitely incredible it's you know he encapsulates all of his different emotions and the complexities of this character so incredibly well and with such Mm -hmm. conviction he commit like whenever whenever Paul is engaging in action, he he takes command of the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know it's it's and it's heartbreaking to watch him die the way he does. Mm-hmm. He realizes, you know, he he learns to not self loathe, mm-hmm. not to blame himself. Mm-hmm. He you know he he starts singing. And praying to God. Mm-hmm. And then he's completely brutally murdered by yeah. multiple rifles. Mm-hmm. While digging his own grave. Yeah, it's a it's a brutal way to go out. Um mm-hmm. and I think you're right. Like you you know, despite how uh cruel he's been the whole movie, you can't help but feel sorry for him. Mm-hmm. I guess it's like fair to say that like, you know, he's in like despite him being an antagonistic force this whole movie. He's truly not the antagonist of the movie. Nope. The antagonist of this movie is this uh, white supremacy and just yeah, like America as a whole. Yep. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's a lot to take in uh, and it can be kind of rough at times. 
Uh, As I'm sure this podcast has been. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but I think it. But I do think this movie is worth watching. Uh, and like, and you know, we're only touching on so much we can in our re- in our regular episode length. Like, I'm sure there's uh, plenty more you can get into. This is just the topics that stuck out to us right now. I'm sure people could go into way more, right? And also, like, a greater, um, a more appropriate analysis of this is probably from, you know, different podcasts from an African-American perspective. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Like, we, like, this is, this is definitely our, uh, just because we've been educating, we've been trying to educate ourselves as much as possible, and this came out at this time. Uh, we always encourage you to go and educate yourself as well. Uh, about these topics you know don't just watch movies about them Mm -hmm. um but uh take the time you know everyone's got 10 minutes a day to learn something right totally uh at very least uh note that black lives matter and that and that black lives matter yeah (laughs) i was gonna say that i was like i'm trying to think there's something there's gotta be something about community here right you know we're all like you know because we're all Anyone that is not white is is a victim of white supremacy, and we all need to band together to create something to uh, stand with each other on. And we also need white people uh, to stand up and fight for that. Exactly. We need to dismantle it ourselves. Yeah, allyship. Mm-hmm. Allyship is very important. Um, but okay. Uh, thank you if you've been listening this long. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Pop the Culture Podcast. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also email us any of your thoughts or questions at poptheculturePod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'd love to thank our PR guy, Joseph Tomlin. And I'd like to thank our editor, Michael Ruiz. <laughs> and I have been your host, Michael Ruiz. You can find me at twitter.com at next underscore entry and the video essays I write on my YouTube channel, Next Entry. I have also been your host, Joseph Tomlin. You can find me on twitter.com and Instagram at joke Tomlin. That is J-O-U-K-T-O-M-L-I-N. Thanks again for listening, everyone.